Hey guys, welcome back to the Marking Out Network. I am Neil Pretty Boy Thomas here. Today I'm going to be talking about AW Revolution coming at you from the Chase Center in San Francisco. This is going to be my prediction show. Guys, if you like this audio video, please hit like, please subscribe, please listen out to the Marking Out Network podcast available on Spotify, YouTube, and Apple Podcasts. I'm going to be going down through every single match. I'm going to be telling you my predictions for AW Revolution. Should be a good card. I'm excited for it. I think this is going to be one of the better pay-per-views that aw put on in some time since i would probably say all out i wasn't crazy about full gear but i think this one's going to be better the first match i want to get to is going to be jungle boy jack perry versus christian cage in a final burial match well how the fuck did we get to a final burial match this was actually slated to be a notice qualification on aw rampage they made the announcement that it was going to be a final burial match the reason behind this match is it kind of goes back some time now because Christian and Jungle Boy Jack Perry, I like how they're emphasizing Jack Perry, by the way. They, they keep mentioning that over and over again because I think eventually he'll kind of be like the heartbreak kid, Shawn Michaels, and then, you know, call him HBK for short. But I think eventually it's going to be Jack Perry. I think he to make the full change, he's going to need to change his trunks and get rid of that Tarzan stuff. But anyways, that's I'm going off on uh, a little bit of a tangent there. That's why I would see Jack Perry and maybe some regular wrestling gear, but... The reason this became a final burial match is because Jungle Boy made the announcement on Rampage saying that, you know what, Christian, if you're a fan of my father so much, I'm going to bury you with him, basically. I'm kind of paraphrasing there. And uh, now I don't know if this is going to be, uh, you know, kind of like a buried alive match because my initial prediction was I can kind of see Christian winning it. But now that they changed the stipulation to a final burial match, I'm like, all right, well, this is probably going to be Jack Perry's not necessarily coming out party, but this is he needs this to actually elevate him further along here because the loss to Christian is only going to set him back. And this rivalry has been going on a long time just because that Christian did get injured so many months ago and then kind of got put on pause and then Jungle Boy Jack Perry was feuding with Luchasaurus and he ended up beating him too. So him and Luchasaurus is kind of done. Now we have to find, have this final conclusion between him and, and Christian and I got to say, Christian is probably one of my favorite promo guys right now in the business. When he comes out, I'm like listening. I'm like ears perked up and I'm ready to go with his evil ass fucking turtleneck. You know what I mean? Like he gets so much heat and he does it in stride and it doesn't affect him when the crowd's booing. And he's he just really I think he's better on the mic now than he ever has been in his career. And I was never necessarily a Christian fan like 10, 15, 20 fucking years ago. I was a pretty good. Uh, I mean, I did like Edge and Christian as a tag team and they're, you know, that uh, those poses that they did were pretty funny, but I was never a Christian guy. And even, you know, when he ended up becoming World Heavyweight Champion, ECW Champion, he ended up going to TNA and all that stuff. I just, I like him more now than I ever have before. But he's he's definitely one of the better promo guys, and he really generates, like, people really fucking hate him when he's talking, especially when he's talking about Jack Perry's mom and his, you know, his uh, deceased father, Luke Perry. It's, it's really funny. <laughs> it's actually pretty funny. Um, and so... The match itself, don't really know what to expect, but I think Christian's reached to a certain point. He has all the accolades. He's a multiple-time world champion. He's won endless amount of tag team titles, but I think in this stage of his career, his job really is to put over Jungle Boy Jack Perry, and I said this before too, and I'll say it again. To me, Jungle Boy Jack Perry, he just reminds me of a young Shawn Michaels. He has the athleticism. There's really anything he can't do in the ring. He just has to find a way to connect to the crowd a little better. His promo work will probably get better as time goes on. He's still a pretty young dude. I mean, Christian wasn't the greatest promo 10, 15, 20 years ago. I mean, he was good, but I think he's better now. But, I mean, it just 
you know, Randy Orton even admitted too, like that was something that he didn't even focus on too. But I think Jungle Boy Jack Perry will eventually get better when it comes to the promos. And uh, he's going to be the kind of the total package. Like, just imagine if you had the promo work of MJF and uh, his ring ability. It was like, you know, he'd be definitely world champion by now. So my prediction for this match, the final burial match, I'm going to go with uh, Jungle Boy Jack Perry. He's going to put Christian to bed. Now, side note, I know Luchasaurus has uh, been gone because of the whole mask, you know, lawsuit going on. Now, if Luchasaurus comes back and helps Christian, that might be something of interest because Luchasaurus can come back. He can come back in a different mask. I'm, I'm not sure. He, he can't wear the same mask that's, you know, being settled in the courts of law or something, whatever is going on with that. I'm not really sure. But he can come back in a different mask. He still can be called Luchasaurus, but not uh, just in a different mask. So I think he might interfere. That might swing it towards Christian. But if it's a straight-up one-on-one match, I'm going with Jungle Boy Jack Perry. And I think it might be one of the better matches of the night. All right, moving on to one of my probably least favorite matches of the night. Uh, surprise, surprise, uh, Chris Jericho versus Ricky Starks. Granted, I'm a huge Chris Jericho fan. I love Ricky Starks. JS is banned from the rings, ringside. This feud seems like it's been going on forever, and you can even see <laughs> Ricky Starks on Dynamite. Like, how did I get myself roped into this stuff? Ricky Starks beat Jericho clean one, two, three already. It's like, why are we here? Like, why do we have to do it again? Jericho was like making him go through the gauntlet match with uh, Guevara and uh, Garcia and ended up losing. And now we're still getting to this Chris Jericho, Ricky Starts match. Now, JS is banned from the ringside. Good, because it'd be so obvious and so predictable. Obviously, you know, Jack Thwaga, uh, he's <laughs> would interfere with his fucking hat, right? He would probably interfere or whomever was going to interfere and cause Ricky Starks to match. And we just going around and around circles, you know. So, But JS being banned doesn't mean somebody else can interfere that's actually not a part of the group. Now, you know, people were teasing, hey, can action Andrade come back or come and, like, try to help Chris Jericho? I'm not sure how that would make any sense because Jericho and him kind of had a feud. I mean, would action Andrade be a part of the JS? I really doubt it. But if it's a straight-up one-on-one match, I think Ricky Starks, He's got to be propelled to another level, too, because a loss here would only set him back, and it wouldn't be good for Ricky Starks' career. Ricky Starks, to me, is a main event guy. He's main event material. He did have a shot against MJF for the AEW World Heavyweight Championship. Didn't get it, and now we're stuck with this Chris Jericho feud, and I hope it's going to be the finale of the feud. And obviously, Ricky Starks, despite all this being in the muck with Chris Jericho, he's still a fan favorite. He still gets the pops. He still comes out to a great reception. So I think this, he needs to be done with this and move forward because continuing this feud with Jericho is not going to get him anywhere, and he needs to be on a certain level. And uh, I think once this is done, Ricky Starks can move on to bigger and better things. But I think it's going to be a good match. I don't think it's going to be a a bad match by any means, but I just think Ricky Starks got to get out of this feud desperately. And I hope him beating Chris Jericho one, two, three clean is going to be the end of it. And we can finally move on. And then Jericho can feud with somebody else. And then uh, we can uh, continue with on with our lives. So winner, winner, chicken parm dinner. I'm going to go absolute Ricky Starks for the victory. All right. Now moving on to the tag team AW championship match. How the fuck did we get here, man? Like, all right. So if you look at this match on paper a year, two years ago, six months ago, three years ago, you'd have been like, what the fuck? Well, a lot of these, you know, Danhausen wasn't there three years ago, but you get my point. Um, 
We got the Guns, who are the champions, versus the Acclaimed, versus Jay Lethal, versus Jeff Jarrett, versus Orange Cassidy, and Danhausen for the AEW Tag Team Championships. Um, now, just think about how far the tag team division has fallen off. Now, I'm being kind here. A lot of people think it's in the shitter. It's not necessarily in the shitter. It's more of like a in a holding pattern, if you will, I think. Because, I, I mean, the tag team division in AEW was by and far the best tag team division, I think, in the entire world. Better than WWE, better than any other promotion you could think of. You had FTR, the Young Bucks, uh, Lucha Bros, Hangman and Omega, Keith Lee and Swerve. I mean, the list goes on and on of the quality of the tag teams that were vying for these tag team titles. I mean, shit, you got even Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus in there. Like, a lot of people forgot they were tag team champions, but I thought they held, they held the belt pretty well. But now we have the Guns as the tag team champions, and I know people hated when they actually did lose. I necessarily didn't mind it because, actually, it sets up for something probably even better. It sets up another rematch, and I could have lived with the rematch. I could have been like, all right, the Acclaim versus the Guns. That would have been fine with me. I don't think you need Jay Lethal and Jeff Jarrett in this fucking match. I don't know how they are getting booked so strongly. Orange Cassidy, I like him. Danhausen's pretty funny. That really wouldn't make sense if it was a triple threat, even though... Uh, you know, they are fan favorites, but to me, that wouldn't really make sense. I could have lived with a one on one rematch, and I think everybody would be cool with that. But it's <laughs> it's it's really funny because I think now you're gonna set up the guns are gonna retain. That's that's who I'm saying is gonna win the match. The guns are gonna retain, and then FTR, who I think is still the probably the best tag team in the world. Sorry, Usos, aka the Young Bucks in slow motion. I think are going to defeat the guns and that's what it's going to be eventually down the road. Don't know when that's going to happen, but this whole match, I think it's going to be a good, good tag team match. I don't think it's going to blow us away. They claim they're going to get a really good reaction. Danhausen and orange are going to do their funny stuff. Orange is a really good worker. I mean, if orange Cassidy and Danhausen somehow pull off a miracle of all miracles, It would set the internet and Twitter and social media ablaze, granted, but I don't think they're going to win. I can't see Jay Lethal and Jeff Jarrett winning the tag team titles. I really don't see them going that way. If the Acclaim wins, that'd be great. I can live with them. They probably shouldn't have lost it to begin with, but I was okay with the guns, and people went apeshit over it. But I think the guns are going to retain to set up a match with FTR later down the line. Now, where do the Acclaim go from here? They're still very popular. They can still kind of be in the mix. But I just think the guns are going to retain, and it's hopefully it's going to be an entertaining match. I think the most part, exciting part I'm li- going to look forward to is, you know, when Max Caster comes out and runs down whoever's in the ring and the shenanigans of Orange Cassidy and Danhausen. I mean, Danhausen's pretty much he's got to be the most popular jobber <laughs> in wrestling, man. These guys funny. He's like uh, he's a, he's a pretty funny dude. I actually saw him up close when I was at a, a convention one time, and I was like. Oh, you're not a very big guy. I'm like about the same, right? A little bigger than you. All right, but yeah, the guns are tamed, by the way. All right, moving on to the AWTNT championship match between Samoa Joe versus Warlow. Now, I'm, I've got to admit right now, I'm pretty indifferent on this match. I really don't necessarily care which way it goes. It could be Samoa Joe or Warlow. The only kind of thing that's kind of interesting in this match was the backstory about Warlow saying that you know, he did, uh, he gave the backstory on why his hair was so important to him, and Samoa Joe cut it off because he was paying tribute to his father who had had cancer, and it was like, everybody was like, wow, man, why'd Samoa Joe cut his hair? That doesn't make any sense, but now we know the reason 
behind it. And now Joel's actions need to go punished for what he did because that was a, a symbolic thing that Warlow took a lot of pride in doing for his father. And now Samoa Joe just totally desecrated that. And now you have a personal story in this match, and it's just not a one-on-one match for a championship. It, it, so that cuts a little deep for Warlow. And it's good to to hear those kind of stories and personalize these guys. And, and obviously they are human, and they do have feelings, and they're not just mindless robots, you know, jacked-up muscle dudes that are just fighting out there just because they want to do it. They have a reason behind the reason, the things that they are going to do in the ring, and they want to prove how they are to themselves and to the people that are watching them, they they need that. That serves them as motivation or, or whatever else you want to call it. But anyways, going back to the match itself, I think Samoa Joe's a great champion. I've always been a fan of Samoa Joe. My only knock on him is like he doesn't have a, the cardio to go the distance. And that was always, the, I mean, maybe when he was younger, back in the TNA days, long time ago. But when he got to WWE, you could tell he got gassed out pretty quick. Maybe that's why he was never WWE champion or world heavyweight champion. I just don't think he had the gas tank like that. And I was always a fan of his. Um, I'm glad to see him. He's like a double fucking champion in AEW. He's actually thriving. He's doing really well. His his matches with Darby Allen are, are fantastic. Big, strong dude. Submission specialist versus a wild, crazy, reckless guy who just sacrifices body and do anything and everything to win the match. And Darby Allen's actually a pretty good wrestler too, by the way. But anyways, going back to these two guys. So my prediction, I was going back and forth on this. I can't really decide which way I'm going to go, right? Because now you got to say, all right, the winner of this match is going to face Powerhouse Hobbs on Dynamite because Powerhouse Hobbs won the face of the Revolution ladder match. And now let's let's talk about that real quick. I don't know what people problem are. What, people's problems are about refs holding up the ladder i know some people didn't like it to me it was fine i was like yeah why didn't you get a new ladder but if you got a new ladder that means it would give other people a chance the other wrestlers to maybe stop them for getting the ladder so you just use that ladder why the you know the four or five refs held it up i'm thinking well if they didn't hold it up he would have fucking fell and probably broke his neck i mean that would have been the that would have been silly and then everybody would complain like well he's struggling to climb up the ladder and the refs are just standing there why don't they why don't they help him out? And it wouldn't make sense either way. So it's like, all right, they helped him. He got the ladder. He got the brass ring. And it, it's over. And it's done with. And I hope that doesn't, I don't know, understand why that bod- bothers certain people. But it didn't bother me none because he just grabbed the brass ring and he posed up there and the refs held it. And there has been 100 cases where fucking refs held ladders in WWE and all every other wrestling event since the history of time. But apparently that bugged people. I'm not sure why. I think it's... A lot of anti-AEW people that just hate that shit and they're going to hate on everything. But anyways, um, Wardlow versus Samoa Joe. I'm going to say Samoa Joe is going to pull off the victory and he's going to face Hobbs, who then in turn, this is predicting way far out in the future. I could get all this wrong. I don't even know. Hobbs is going to beat Samoa Joe from the TNT Championship, and then we're going to get Hobbs versus Wardlow. That's what my prediction is going to be. And then Samoa Joe, he's still the Ring of Honor TV champion, and he might go to Ring of Honor and defend that title more often because they are doing a weekly show now, and I think that would be good for Samoa Joe. And he kind of moves on to migrates over to Ring of Honor. So I think that's going to be – It's gonna. I don't think this match is going to be very long. Two big, strong dudes, all high-impact stuff, and I think it's going to be a quick one. But for some reason, I'm just leaning to Samoa Joe. I don't think I don't think it'll necessarily hurt Wardlow losing. 
but he can lose in kind of like you know maybe like a bullshit way where it doesn't necessarily affect him. Now if he wins and then that's great, then you, you're setting up um, Wardlow versus Hobbs right out the gate, and then you're just going to you know uh, doing that. So it's just like I don't know. I could it really can go either way, but I I think Samoa Joe's gonna win. I could be wrong on that. It's really a fifty fifty thing. Speaking of. Speaking of 50-50, I'm split on this next match, too. I was debating on this. So we have the Elite versus the House of Black for the AW Trios Championship. For a match that has actually zero fucking build, it could be the best match of the night. We know how good Kenny Omega is. We know how good the Young Bucks are. We know how good Brody King, Malachi Black, and Buddy Matthews are. We all know they're all excellent wrestlers from top up to top down. They're just all good dudes in the ring. Now, but that being said, could they have done a little more to build this match? Of course they could, because now it's just two teams going for the titles. I mean, these trios titles were actually essentially built for Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks because you always feel like Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks got to have some kind of gold around their waist. It doesn't seem like there's a period of an AEW where the Young Bucks didn't have or were going for the tag team titles at some point. Kenny Omega is still, I believe, the longest AEW World Heavyweight Champion in the com- company's history. 300-something days. I'm not sure what the exact number is. So they they're always got gold around their waist. I mean, they are the elite. They are some of the best wrestlers on planet Earth. Now, could they have done more to build a store? Yes, they could have. Now, what they could have done over the last several weeks on Rampage, on Dynamite, they could have set up one-on-one matches. You could have had Brody King versus Omega. That would have been really good to see. I thought that would be pretty good. You could have had Omega versus Buddy Matthews. You could have had Omega versus Malachi Black. You could have had Nick Jackson versus Buddy Matthews. Or uh, Matt Jackson versus Brody King. Just something to give us a little taste instead of just the lights going on and off all the time and then getting attacked. That just To me, that's just not enough. You Now, is it it's kind of like a WWE way where they all have singles matches against each other and then ultimately the tag or the six-man tag team? Yeah, kind of. But at least it would give you like a little more history between the two teams because right now it's like they didn't really... I mean, Malik, uh, House of Black did cut promos on the Elite, but the, the Elite is just don't really talk that much. They just kind of go out there and have the wrestling match, and that's it. They didn't really, you know, emphasize or enhance the the feud or rivalry in kind of any memorable fashion. So I think we're going to be we're gonna be blown away with this match. I think it's going to be really good. Now, the reason I'm leaning towards the House of Black winning is because I want Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks, while they're a good trios team, I want Kenny back in the singles division and I want the Young Bucks to go back to the tag team division because I just mentioned how kind of shitty the tag team division is. Now, a lot of people are like, yawn, Young Bucks, tag team titles again, fucking boring, right? Well, to me, they're the probably the best team besides FTR in AEW. So I think you do need them. I Granted, you're tired of seeing the same fucking teams win all the time, but the tag team division's better with them than without them. Right? I I mean, I don't think you can really debate on that. And now Kenny Omega, since he's been back, he's been with the Young Bucks for the majority of the time. I want to kind of see him migrate. You know, maybe not the AEW, you know, title picture, but kind of get some more singles wins and and just kind of get back to that Kenny Omega, the cleaner, the best bout machine form. Granted, I love the trios. They had the best of series um, with, uh, who am I thinking of? Death Triangle. There you go. Couldn't think of the name. Death Triangle. We had those guys going at the best of seven series. And now 
those matches were fantastic. They essentially made every match seemingly different, and that's hard to do over a seven-match period. Yeah, granted, the matches at the very end had different stipulations, but still to make it interesting and entertaining um, was was great to see. But I do want to see the House of Black get some gold, and I think this is the way to do it. It's the perfect time. How they win, not really sure, but I think this would be a good time for the elite to kind of take a step back, give the trios tag titles up to House of Black. They can run roughshod over Dynamite and Rampage, and then Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks kind of go, not necessarily their separate ways, but kind of go on different paths right now. They still could be the elite, but it's going to be a little different now from uh, going forward here. So I feel like, all right, that's my prediction. House of Black wins. All right. And I didn't think I would ever say that, but I'm going with them. The next match. This one's probably the most predictable one, but I could be wrong again. Jamie Hayter versus Soraya versus Ruby Soho. Now, Jamie Hayter is one of my favorite women's wrestlers in wrestling right now, bar none, period. I mean, she's in my, like, top two. And I'm pretty sure if you guys listen to me rant and rave about the other one, you know who I'm talking about. And so... I mean, she, Jamie Hayter carries herself like a champion. She looks like a champion, and she, more importantly, wrestles like a champion. You know, Soraya, on the other hand, she came back. You know, every, everybody was necessarily concerned with her. You know, she was approved to come back. She got declared, and now I feel like she's holding back in the ring. I don't think she's 100% back, and and I think that's making for sloppy matches. I, I don't really know what it is. Her match with Sky Blue wasn't crisp and clean and I was like man I feel like she could have done better maybe the girls of today have passed her up I'm not really sure what the reason is but I want to see better quality from her and I think we're going to get there eventually she is coming back from a long hiatus and maybe eventually he's going to get there it didn't take her very long to get a title opportunity despite what you why most of the fans fucking hate her her and Tony Storm spray painting everybody it's kind of cringeworthy I admit it it looks like some teenage girls you know fucking around and and trying to act all cool and stuff like that. But I think Soraya, she embraces it. She comes down. She's giving the middle fingers to everybody. You know, she even signed some guy's, I don't know, was it a T-shirt or like a poster board or something like that. And he was like, I'll give you 50 bucks for it. And she did it. And she took the fucking money. That's some heel shit right there, right? <laughs> so it's working for her. Despite her not being a fan favorite and her being hated, I think she's embraced it. I think Tony Storm's kind of above all that shit, like spray painting and acting kind of semi-childish. I think she's better than that, but I think she's assuming the heel role better than was when she was a face. I mean, granted, she's still the same wrestler. She's still really good, but I don't think she was being appreciated enough, especially because she was the interim AW champion for such a long time, and everybody was waiting for Thunder Rosa to come back, but that's really besides the point. She's still a really good wrestler. Um, And then you have Ruby Soho. In this match, too. Now, Ruby Soho's been on the fence. Will she? Won't she? This whole back and forth, you know, the AW Originals versus, you know, quote-unquote, the Outsiders. Who's she going to attack? Or she's just been kind of stuck in the middle and hasn't really gone anywhere. It's, It seems like it's she just kind of there, but the story really necessarily hasn't progressed because more more people are not forming with the Originals. It's pretty much Jamie Hayter, Britt Baker versus Ray and Tony Storm. And then Ruby Soho in the middle. Nobody else has joined the fray. You haven't had Willow Nightingale join, you know, the originals. Or you haven't had the Bunny join in. Granted, the Bunny's hurt right now. But my point is, you haven't had other girls come along for the story. And I think that's where it uh, 
kind of spark interest, you need, if they're going to do like a gang thing, gang fights, you need other girls to be involved because the, the four of them can only fight so much against each other. And I think that would be a better better way to introduce other characters in the show, other female wrestlers. Um, and I think it would be it would be beneficial to them all. And I think it would be really good to see. Now, when it comes to this match specifically, Jamie Hayter, Saray, and Ruby Soho, I don't see Jamie Hayter losing at all. I feel like she's on top of her game and only getting better. And I do want to see her. This is projecting very far out at Forbidden Door 2. I want to see her versus uh, Mercedes Monet. I definitely want to see that, but who knows if that's going to happen. I pray to God it does because I think it'll be a five-star classic instantly. But uh, that's a different conversation for a different time. So my prediction, Jamie Hayter retains. I don't think Saray is going to win. Ruby Soho is doing really well right now. She has the most win, wins this year of the women's roster. But I think Jamie Hayter is too fucking good right now. And I think Jamie Hayter retains. Now the match I'm looking forward to absolutely the most on the entire card is John Moxley versus Hangman Adam Page in a Texas death fucking match. You know this fucking match is going to be a bloody fucking mess, right? This is these are my kind of my favorite types of matches, a fight, a brawl. Granted, I can I could appreciate you know a technical masterpiece. You know what Brian Danielson is going to put on against MJF in the main event. But these fights, the bloody barbed wire, steel chairs, I love it, love all of it. I wish I could see it all the time, but then again, can't always get what you want, right? Now this is going to be the fourth match of this rivalry. It stems back when Hangman got concussed, was out completely knocked out and then mox was like hey it was an accident you know he broke down the pro in the promo by the way that promo that staircase promo i'm marking it down right now but blood dripping down his face hitting the steps that's the promo of the year until i sorry mjf mox got you beat now we, we're only in march right now but that's the promo of the fucking year right now mox a vicious fucking animal and i'm gonna talk about a little more about that later but that's the promo of the year i'm just saying that right now so the in the rematch Hangman gets one up on Mox. Then the other match after that, Mox gets the victory. Hangman was like, hey, I had you beat, man. You beat me at the last second. Now Mox is up 2-1. Hangman can't let that lie. Mox was ready to move on. Now he's like, I'm done with you, man. Like, we can move on. We're just, it's over and done with. Hangman couldn't let it go. And now we're here in a Texas death match. And now when you get to a Texas death match, you know, you feel like this has to be the, the finality. This has to be it because... These matches are fucking brutal, and I doubt these two guys are going to want to face each other again. Now, I think this match is going to be, I think it's going to be kind of long. It's going to be a bloody mess, like I just said, and it's going to be extremely physical, and it's going to really test the limits of both guys. We know what Mox is capable of. You know, he's, he's a vicious, vicious bastard. He, he even said it in his promo. He goes, he pointed out that, you know, there's only room for one animal here in AEW in this ecosystem, and he will die to protect what is his. Hangman countered saying that this, you know, he despises violence and hate it, but will do whatever is necessary because he's gonna have to do that to be that vicious and to be that animal to defeat Mox. So Hangman doesn't like violence. Mox embraces it. This is really the antithesis of these two guys. Like Hangman does what he's necessary, what is necessary of him to win. Mox is the opposite. He does it because he fucking enjoys it. Now, where 
now I'm debating now because I was leaning towards one way, but now I'm leaning towards another way because now I feel like because Mox is so at, at home in these matches and so comfortable, I feel like he might, you know, take Hangman not as serious as he probably should, and I think he's going to underestimate him, and I think that's going to be maybe the downfall of Mox because I feel like Hangman needs this match more than Mox to win. Hangman wants to get back to that, you know, no pun intended, that elite level, that AEW championship level. Mox doesn't necessarily need the championship to define who he is, and I feel like some of these other guys do, like MJF, Hangman, they need to be up there. And granted, Mox carried the title extremely well, and he was a great champion, but Hangman... He feels like something's missing, and to propel him up to the next level, he needs this victory more than Mox. I think if Mox loses, I don't think he'll necessarily be upset. Like, yeah, he's a better guy. Oh well, shoulder shrug. I'm cool, whatever, and just and just move on. Despite him losing, hasn't been the first time Mox has lost a match. Won't be the last time. But I feel like this match defines Mox more. But somehow, some way, Hangman is going to pull off the victory. Now, if it's traditional te- Texas Death Match rules, is you get the pinfall victory and then the 10 count after that. Now, I don't know if that's how they're going to do it in the match, if it's just going to be kind of like a last man standing match or it's just going to be a pinfall submission victory. I'm not sure what they're planning for it. And Hangman, you got to remember, too, he went against the Murderhawk Monster in a Texas death match about a year ago at this time, and he ended up winning the thing. So you know he's capable of digging down deep and getting uh, getting nasty and nitty-gritty and all that kind of stuff. But my prediction... I love John Moxley. I think he's one of the best wrestlers on the planet, and he was my wrestler of the year in 2022. But I can't believe I'm saying this. I'm going to go Hangman Adam Page in this match, in the Texas Death match. That's crazy to even think about. But that's what I'm going to go with. All right, now the main event time. The 60-minute Ironman match for the AW World Heavyweight Championship. Maxwell Jacob Freeman versus Brian Danielson. Now, this, this is a match that... You're looking forward to a lot, but you kind of already kind of, you know the outcome, what's it going to be, sort of. And, the, you know, it's just like you know what's going to happen, and I hate that fucking feeling. The reason I say this, too, is because MJF is a great heel champion. He cuts phenomenal promos, but he's just starting out his title reign. This is only his second title defense, and I don't see a title change happening, maybe, yet. But I know the quality of the match is going to really be there. Brian Danielson is probably the best technical wrestler on planet Earth. Maybe the best wrestler on planet Earth, you know, depending on who you ask. I mean, he's definitely top three in my book. MJF needs to prove that to himself. He needs to prove that to Brian Danielson. But I think really more importantly, he has to he has to prove it all to the naysayers who thinks he's maybe a paper champion. He got lucky and he cheated away and he took every shortcut like Brian Danielson said. And he needs to, he has to prove that why he is the best. I mean, by default, being the AEW champion should make you the best, but he's not perceived that way. Nobody says MJF is the best wrestler in the world. He's just not. That's a factual statement. Can he prove that or can he change our minds? Well, in some minds of, of, of uh, a few people at least, probably, if he puts on a good performance. Will he necessarily win this match? He might, but... I think MJF, he he's like the Joker where he constantly changes his origin story. Going back to the, the car crash with Liv, saying how he switched positions with her so he wasn't responsible for it. And then how 
he rather, you know, the AEW championship is the only thing stopping him from taking a fistful of pills. Like, what? What are you, suicidal now? Are you that depressed of a person? Like, you need this to define who you are? I mean, that's that's something uh, that's very deep. Whether that's true or not, I don't know. But that's what he said. And MGF definitely got a lot of issues going on. He's envious of Brian Danielson. He's he's jealous of his family, his wife, his kids, and everything that's res- wrestling's provided for him. And now he's he almost uh, he hates Brian Danielson because he's actually slapping them in the face. Because every time he goes out there, all the concussions that he suffered over the years, you know, he's taking his family for granted. Because one wrong hit, not only can you know he could permanently damage Brian Danielson, and MJF is offended by that, and that's the problem MJF has with Brian Danielson. And obviously, Brian Danielson thinks he's a, an ungrateful little prick. And he's going to kick his fucking head in. And that's what he's going to teach him a lesson. Basically, that's what it boils down to. MJF has no friends. He only has business acquaintances. I don't see anybody coming down to help him at any point unless he paid somebody off like he always does. And there will be some kind of interference, which I don't think will happen. And I don't want to see like a 5-6 to six score in this match. I don't want to see a bunch of pinfalls or... You get counted out and can't get back in the ring. Like, if this is a championship match, I kind of want to go all the way like Shawn Michaels, HBK, you know, at WrestleMania. I want it to be at least 0-0-1-1 at the most. And then somebody kind of sneak in a victory at the last fucking second. And and because if you are a champion, you shouldn't lose so easily. I think that, that that's a fair point. You should be really difficult to beat. I don't want to see a high number here. I want to see at least, you know, no more than 1-1. I think it's going to come down to... A mistake by one of the guys, and I think somehow, some way, that one guy that's going to make the the mistake because MJF loves to cheat or sneak his way that diamond diamond ring or whatever it is. <laughs> I think he's going to knock Brian Danielson out with it at the very end. Ref's not going to see it. There will be a ref bump at certain at a certain point. I'm pretty much guaranteeing it. And then at the last possible second, either MJF gets three count on. I'm Brian Danielson, or the ref sees he's knocked out. We'll call for it. That will be a victory for MJF, and MJF retains. He's going to cheat to win somehow, some way. I can't see him him beating him straight up, but that's my prediction. MJF retains in a very good, excellent wrestling match. Now, is it going to swerve and sway people saying that he's a great wrestler? It might. I think it's going to be an excellent, well-performed match up until that point, but I think it's going to be an ending where people are going to be like, ah, fuck, man. Now, this is the fifth title match that Brian Daniels has had in AEW. I don't think he's going to win it. Would I like to see him win it? Sure, but I just be, just because MJF hasn't been a champ for a year and a half, then I'll be like, all right, it's it's time to move on. But because this is only second title defense and he's only he won it back in November at full gear, I'm going to go with MJF to retain and leave a bitter kick in the nut, punch in the gut, taste in your mouth. <laughs> For the, the finale. And this is going to be a long night. This is going to be like probably a four-hour pay-per-view. And uh, it's going to be a good one. I'm looking forward to all these matches. But, yeah, there you go. That's my pr- prediction. Winner MJF retains the AW World Heavyweight Champion. All right. And if I'm completely wrong on all these predictions, go figure, man. But I'm just going to enjoy the pay-per-view like the rest of you guys. So if you guys like this podcast, subscribe, hit like. Check us out, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, with your boys Dean, Smoke, Neil Pretty Boy Thomas, 
And I hope to talk to you guys soon. That is it. I am out. Bye-bye.